Do you want to feel strong, confident, and ready to enjoy life? I'm Jen Shaver, a triple certified fitness expert and mother living her best midlife. I want to help you achieve a healthy, active lifestyle without ever having to go to the gym. We grow together every Monday, so be sure to subscribe and tune in to your weekly fit news. This Fit News Podcast is proudly sponsored by the Empower Her Bundle. Struggling with sleep? Stuck on how to get in those protein-packed meals? In need of a quick workout for successful aging? Or does stress seem to never leave you? The Empower Her Bundle is your solution. Transform your sleep, nutrition, stress, and fitness with our free bundle, tailored for busy midlife women. Reclaim control over your well-being. Thrive beautifully with better sleep, 15 tasty protein recipes, find out how to go from chaos to calm, and a free Strong for Life workout. Don't miss out. Download your Empower Bundle for ebook series now and take the first step toward thriving in midlife. Visit strongforlifefitness.com to get started today. Hello and welcome to Fit News. I'm your host, Jen Shaver, and joining me today is Terry Donner. Terry is a registered nurse, elder law attorney, geriatric care manager, and freelance health journalist. The role she is probably most proud of is a family caregiver to her parents and a number of family members over the last 20 years. She coaches family caregivers to help them create a supportive village of care and long-term care plan for their loved ones. Terry, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you for taking the time to join us. This is such an important topic, in particular for many midlife women, because we are getting to this stage in life where, you know, we are going to be caring for, uh, you know, older adults that are in our lives, whether it's parents, aunts, uncles, some, you know, special person uh, in our lives. So I'm excited to get to chat with you today. Thank you, Jen. I'm really happy to be here. And you're right. This is a, you know, a topic we don't think about a lot of times until it happens. And a lot of times it will happen quickly. So there are things that you can do to be prepared. I I just want to share the benefit of my experience, both professionally and personally, to help others so that they don't end up in, in that, you know, emergency situation, not knowing where to turn, not knowing that there are supports. Because as you know, caregivers have to engage in a lot of self care to keep going. And I think that's really important. And that's where you come in. (laughs) Yes, yes. But you know, like you said, it's important to start to think about this before you are actually in the thick of it. Right, right. I think one of the one of the things that you know, you talk about is, you know, you have to talk about the birds and the bees with your kids. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, But you have to have this talk, which can be equally as embarrassing with your parents. You have to talk about, you know, how they want to be cared for as they age. What's the right time to do this? The right time, hopefully, is when they're well, but they are aging. Maybe Mm -hmm. they've gotten, you know, maybe they're in their mid sixties and they've, they're getting Medicare and they're signing up. And um, that's a way to maybe, you know, start the conversation. Geez, mom, you turned 65. Did you sign up for your Medicare? How was that? Did you sign up for social security? You know, how did that go? Um, Or you're retiring and you sit down with your parent and you start that conversation and, you know, simply ask, you know, what, what plans have you made for your future? Like when you get old, don't tell them they're old now, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but, you know, sit down and start having that conversation. The other way to enter into that conversation is to say, you know, mom and dad, my friend, Sally, she, she just sat down with her parents and, you know, they went over a whole bunch of things. And I thought, gosh, I don't know 
where things are or what to do. If you get sick, you know, can you help me so that, you know, if, if you need my help, I, I can step up and be ready to do a good job. Um, and, 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 you know, somebody will say, well, what if my friend hasn't done, you know, hasn't done that, but a white lies are okay in elder care. Okay. They're okay. <laughs> it's your way in to help, you know, to help your parent. So think about the, um, the greater good, the long-term goal. Yeah. And so having that talk and, and what are you going to talk about? Well, you're going to talk about a few things. You're going to talk mm-hmm. about what is their goal for their care. Everybody's going to say they want to stay at home and they want to die in their sleep. Good luck yeah. with that. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, that's the fairy tale, right? I mean, yeah. yeah. The average cost of home care is, um, you know, to get an aid in to help you is $26 an hour. And it's over $14,000 a month if you need 24 hour care at home. Wow. Most people I know can't support that. So, you know, what is your plan going to look like? What what combination of paid care versus family care? Who can you, friends, who can you count on to help? And when do you think this is going to happen? So what are your parents' health issues? Do they have a good list of what their diagnoses are, their medications? Are you updating that medication list? Do you know who their doctors are, how to get a hold of them? Do you know what insurance they have? Do you know where their insurance cards are? Do you know what allergies they have in their medical history? I mean, they're going to ask you, when did your mother have her appendix removed? She probably had it removed when she was 15. And, you know, how do you know that date? If you make a little list on a piece of paper, Mm -hmm. you know, type it up and put it in a school folder. You know, I don't know. They used to say a dime folder, but now they're probably 50 cents, you know, (laughs) put them in one of those folders and keep it in the junk drawer where you can grab it if they go to the hospital. And that way you have all that information. You know, what is their history of their health? Because you're going to be nervous the first time you go, well, anytime you go to the emergency room, you know, with, with a parent um, where you're calling in to, to give that information. So those are the sorts of things that basically you want to know. And also, you know, as they, as they get a little bit older and have a little bit more in the way of health difficulties, you may want to attend that doctor's visit with them. So the doctor sees your face knows you're part of the care team, knows mm-hmm. that you're helping your mom make decisions. Make sure you're on their HIPAA forms, their, the uh, authorization, so you can get information. Right. You know, the little form she fills out at the doctor's office. And in the specialist's office, make sure they have copies of legal documents like healthcare powers of attorney, living wills, and, you know, make sure those are all up to date. Now you mentioned, I want to go back to the cost uh, because you mentioned, you know, everybody wants to be at home, that home healthcare, that daily, you know, was a lot in terms of insurance or, um, you know, Medicare or or whatever, what is usually covered? That's an excellent question because most people don't know. They said, oh, my Medicare will cover everything. Right. Oh, my Medicare Advantage plan gives me some home care. It may give you a little bit of home care, but it's not going to give you much. Mm-hmm. Um, Medicare will cover. So say you go into the hospital and you have pneumonia and you're really, really sick and you you know, you know, lose your muscles tone and you, you're weak. When you go home, they're going to send out hopefully some physical therapy to help yeah. you get back on your feet. Um, maybe a nurse will come if you still need some IV antibiotics. Maybe she'll just come for that initial intake and maybe they'll send you out a bath aid once or twice a week to help you get a bath and get moving. But that's temporary. That's just a short and they're in and out in an hour and the rest of the day you're by yourself. How are you going to get your meals? How are you going to, you know, get your prescriptions? Yeah. That's where your, your child comes in and they're going to have to, you know, come in and, and do those things for you 
But, you know, if they're working full time, you know, it's very difficult. And how are you going to get mom her lunch? She's not well enough to stand at the right now. She's not well enough to stand at the microwave, even to heat things up and then carry it back to the table. Maybe she's using a walker right now because her strength is poor. So that's where you want to go out and hire what we call non-medical home care. And those are the individuals where they'll send in somebody who's been trained um, (laughs) to help you with your personal care needs and maybe do a little light housekeeping. And uh, they do cost on average $26 an hour. You could hire somebody privately. But if you do that, you want to be sure that they're bonded and insured in case something turns up missing, in case, you know, there's other issues. Yeah. Home care is, you know, my little air quotes can tell yeah. you that I, I'm, I'm sort of, I am a fan, but I'm not a fan in that the return on the investment can eventually sort of wear out. Um, you have to, you have to be vac- actively involved with these people. So you have to be sure that you get somebody and they're engaging, they're interested in your parent, they're going to follow the instructions that you leave them, they're not going to not show up. And so there's a lot of questions that you have to ask the home care agency before you actually bring them on and bring them into your parents' home. So Medicare is not your your payer for long-term in-home care. Medicaid is, after you've spent down your money and you're basically poor, then you can get some home health through um, Medicaid. And, you know, they say the individual monthly cost limit is $14,700 a month for 2023, but which would probably give you almost 24-7 care. But the problem with that is the agencies are so poorly staffed, you're going to be waiting forever to get, uh, you know, somebody signed mm-hmm. up and you're probably not going to get all of that care. They probably don't have enough staffing. Right. It's Staffing is really low. And the quality of the individual you get with the home care agencies that are certified for Medicaid is often not as good as some of the other agencies mm-hmm. simply because they're reimbursed much less than, than uh, the agencies reimbursed much lo- at a much lo- lower level than a private home medical company that um, can just bill you and bill you what yeah. they want. So, so this is where that conversation that you've previously mm-hmm. had, this is where that comes into play and the planning behind it. Because right. if you're able to plan in advance for should this emergency happen, I have already looked up these uh, facilities, right? Right. That would be appropriate for this type of care. And I have a list of them. And I know that these are the four or five or whatever that I'm going to look into going to rather than when it happens. And now you don't know where to turn. Right. One of the things that I tell people is, you know, when you go into that meeting with your financial planner is take your kid, take the kid that you want to make decisions for you, take Mm -hmm. them, introduce them and then sit down. When I do um, presentations, I oftentimes will say to people, how many of you have done have sat down with a professional and done a will or a trust to handle your affairs once you're deceased? And in the room, 90% raise their hands and they're all so proud and they're all so happy. (laughs) They're looking around like, yeah, I did it. I did the thing. And (laughs) then I ask them, how many of you have sat down with a professional and made a plan about how you want to be cared for? And everybody shifts and gets nervous and looks around. (laughs) Mostly not a single person has raised their hand. Right. And I just cheerfully tell them, congratulations, all of you have planned to die, but none of you have planned to live. And so you really need to plan, plan your life. Mm-hmm. And sitting down with your financial person 
you know, look at those assets, look at what things, you know, if you do have to suddenly go into a facility or suddenly need 24 seven care, and you need that $14,000 that month, what assets are we going to touch first? Are we going to touch the IRA? Are we going to touch the money market? What are we going to touch? What are the tax consequences? What, you know, get that person on board, start having that conversation. Let him look long-term about what your assets are going to be bringing in and what, you know, how much home care can you afford? How much um, can you pay for an assisted living? What happens if you do have to go to the nursing home? Mm-hmm. And then your next stop is basically sitting down with the elder law attorney, not just a regular attorney, somebody who specializes in elder law, and sit down with them and talk about, okay, what kind of planning should I be doing? Am I going to be paying my child who may have to quit her job and stay home with me full time? Am I going to be paying her so that she's paying into Social Security and getting her quarters taken care of so she can take care of herself one day? Is this a method for me to save money from the nursing home to pay my daughter who may be setting that money aside in a bank account in case I need something later? Or if I don't, she uses it for herself. Mm -hmm. And do I have the proper caregiver agreement in place so that Medicaid is not going to question me? when they look back five years to see what I've been doing with my money. And maybe I shouldn't be helping little Susie Q, my one daughter who's out there having a good time and doesn't have a job and comes to mama for money. Maybe I shouldn't be helping her as much. You know, maybe I can't, maybe it's time to sit down with her and say, you know, sorry, you know, mom's got a plan for herself right now. And then, you know, what documents need to be in place. Um, You need your financial power of attorney, naming your legal decision maker to handle your finances when you can't. Mm-hmm. You need your health care power of attorney, naming a health care decision maker to make health care decisions for you when you can't. You need your living will, which tells the doctor, if I am permanently unconscious or terminally ill, this is the type of end of life care I want. Mm-hmm. And please talk to my health care power of attorney about it. Yeah. Um, and make sure your daughter knows, you know, what these wishes are with respect to this care so that she's not surprised. And so that if she has to make an end of life decision, she's not torn apart by it because she knows what your wishes are. Right. There's also, like I said, the HIPAA uh, authorization in the doctor's office. Make sure there's consent in there for the doctor to talk to you anytime because the healthcare power only takes effect when you're like incompetent, usually, you know, incapacitated. Yeah, that's a great point, because I think a lot of people would think, oh, well, I've got health care power attorney. So what does it matter? But you need the authorization. It, it matters. So so it's important to on those HIPAA forms. Yeah, definitely yeah. fill out the HIPAA forms. Mm-hmm. You know, funeral. I know this is like kind of sad, but funeral disposition papers, mm-hmm. um, you know, pre-plan your funeral, at least part of it. You can prepay it. And that's money that Medicaid can't touch. Have the form signed by your decision maker, because once you die, power of attorney ends. And so there could be a big battle among, you say you got six kids, they could battle about what they want to do, you know, with your remains. Mm -hmm. And so you want to be sure that that decision maker still has authority to, you know, deal with the funeral director and make whatever decisions that you want made, you know, so those sorts of things. And you know, in terms of, like I said, the caregiver agreement's important too, so that you could, and you can give a caregiver agreement to more than one child. Say your son is handling your banking and all of that, your finances and your taxes. Mm -hmm. 
and your one daughter is running all the errands and taking you to the medical appointments mm-hmm. and the other daughter's doing your house cleaning and cooking and bringing it over. You can have caregiver agreements for all those children and mm-hmm. pay them. It just has to be like an average rate of what you would pay a home care provider. And right now I wouldn't go the high end. I'd probably stick at about $20, $25 an hour, something mm-hmm. like that, you know? Yeah. 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 So, and it adds up and they have to keep track of their time and what they're doing. But those are the sorts of documents that should be in place mm-hmm. to support your plan of care. And then, you know, you've got to also build your healthcare village. You've got to build your, so part of your healthcare village may be getting a home care agency that you trust in place, a care manager in place. Mm-hmm. What's a care manager? I'm also a geriatric care manager. And what a care manager does is they can be a nurse or social worker. Some are even other types of professional backgrounds. My bias is I recommend my to my clients, you always want a nurse, okay, because they understand your medical and they can deal with doctors and all the nonsense that goes on in healthcare and they understand the language. You know, if there's no registered nurse close by, my second uh, default would be to a social worker because they understand Medicare, Medicaid, and all of that sort of thing. And they speak the language as well. And they have a general understanding of, of healthcare and, and, and medical issues just from their experience working with uh, patients in right. the past. So, um, but even if you, you know, you can go to the aging life care specialists website mm-hmm. and put in your zip code and they can find you a list of care managers in your area. And you can look and see what their backgrounds are mm-hmm. and all that. And then you can interview some, what they would do for you is they can do a whole variety of things. They can come in and help you monitor your home care agency. They can come in and take your mom to a medical appointment they can come in and monitor medications. Like oftentimes I've, I've gone in and I've looked at the list of medications or 10 of them. Yeah. And I'll say, you know what? I don't think you need all of these, but I'm just a nurse. So what we'll do is we'll set up an appointment with the doctor and we'll go through and we come home with much improved list of medications. Right. Some of them right. may have been interacting poorly with well, the Well, that's others. what I was going to say. You know, with that many medications, you also have to worry about the interaction between yeah. these these you know, prescriptions and is, is that having a negative effect on health? And if I'm in the home, I'm looking through the cover and I'm like, Oh, this isn't on your medication list. It's an over the counter supplement. What are you using this for? How are you taking it? So you're getting all this other information and you're bringing it to the doctor's attention. And they're usually very grateful when a care manager is involved, you know, because, you know, then they can, they, they really getting a full picture. So that's, you know, and, and you may say, well, you know, how much do they cost between 150 and $250 an hour? It depends uh, on average 150. Mm-hmm. It depends on what they're doing too. Sometimes the, the visit is less, right. you know, um, and, and how often would they come in? I mean, that's a lot of money, right? Well, you could have them come in, you know, once a month for a couple of months till they get to know you. And then maybe quarterly, but what you want to do is have that person in your arsenal have that person on speed dial so you can call them. Yeah. Say you go out of the country for two weeks and you've got the home care agency with your mom and maybe a neighbor stopping in and somebody from church will come by and, you know, you, you think you've got the meals covered because you've, you've cooked and you've frozen and, you know, you've got all that stuff ready and instructions. You've left, you've left instructions everywhere. There's post-it notes in the bathroom even. Well, You know, wouldn't it be nice during that two weeks if your care manager could show up and just check on everything? Maybe she comes twice, you know, 
if, if she's 150 bucks an hour, that's $300 well spent. If you have your stop once right. a week right. for your peace of mind, that's your self-care, right. you know? Right. It's better than going for a massage or a spa day. Yeah. Well, and not to mention, it's also great to have a care manager on your team should a uh, medical emergency arise. Because as you are in that moment, the last thing you are doing is thinking clearly about all these decisions that you know might need to be made. Whereas yes. the care manager, again, you said, you know, if it is one with a medical background, is able to help guide you through that. <laughs> And most of us take 24 hour call. So um, I'm getting a little old now for that, but (laughs) the youngsters will take 24 hour call and they will, you know, if you're on your way to the hospital and you're dialing, if they don't pick up that phone right away, somebody will call you back. They may have somebody on their staff or whatever. They'll call you back soon so that they can help you navigate, you know, and that's a ask them, what if I need you in the middle of the night? How do I get a hold of you? And what's the response time? How long will it take for you to get back to me? But if you're in another country and mom has a medical emergency, you're definitely going to want that person to go to right. the Looking for a fitness program that fits into your busy schedule? Look no further than Strong for Life Light. Our brand new program offers whole workouts every month that you can do from the comfort of your own home. No need to worry about missing classes or juggling gym time with family time. Join Strong for Life Light today and get on track to a healthier you. Now back to this episode of the Fit News Podcast. You need the help because, you know, you say, well, I get a break if I go out and do the shopping and the aids there. That's not a break for you. It's not. Because what I I find and and, um, what I experienced I had been a caregiver for over 20 years and truly a gift and a privilege to care for my parents. And mm-hmm. I wish, right. I wish from the bottom of my heart, I still was, Yeah, but you know, all things, right. Come to yeah. all good things come to an end. And, and as my father would say to me, how long do you want me to live for crying out loud? <laughs> he was a very practical police captain and just said it like it was. <laughs> God, I miss that man daily. I'm mom yeah. too. But, um, so the thing is, you know, you do need that break. You do need to, because caregivers get post-traumatic stress syndrome. And I came down with that actually yeah. afterwards. I didn't realize I wasn't able to think clearly. Why was I so tired? Why why was I having such pain in my body and my joints and my hip? Why was I not able to do anything? Yeah. Why didn't I feel like I didn't know what to do next? post-traumatic stress. Trauma. Yeah. Yeah. You, you left it all on the, on the court, you know, you, yeah. you, you gave it all your all, but you never took care of yourself. You never took yeah. the time. You didn't get the sleep. I re- when I think back, I was running on a couple hours sleep a night, Yeah, some nights, no sleep. And I was at that bedside 24 seven, you know, doing all the, all the things. Yeah. Um, so especially, you know, if your parent has a disease like uh, dementia and you're interrupted during the night a lot and you're not getting the sleep and you're trying to take care of your husband and even though your children are grown, they need help. You know, mm-hmm. they need stuff yeah. um, and you're trying to do all the things and, and you can't. Um, so it's it's good to have that break, that care, somebody you trust to go in and give that care so mm-hmm. that you truly can step away mentally, physically, emotionally to re- recharge. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to have some guilt, but you're going to have to learn to to do the self-talk and say, you know, I need this. I can, I will be a better caregiver if I can 
take the time for me. Um, let's talk just a little bit more about the long-term um, care insurance. Mm-hmm. When is the best time to get to, it? To get it. Yeah. Best time to get it is when you're younger. So 45, 50. Um, they used to have this thing called a 10 pay. You could get it when you're like in your 40s and then pay for 10 years and you were done. They don't offer that anymore. All the good mm. deals they don't offer. But, <laughs> you know, but you are. And I mean, gas used to be 25 cents too. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, surely most people start looking at it in their 50s, like mid 50s, mm-hmm. late 50s. And that's yeah. fine. That's a good time to do it before you retire or when you're at that retirement, potentially retirement age. You know, you want to be sure that you're healthy. I remember they used to have these like booze buses. <laughs> you, you go to these new fancy con- continuing care communities and you take the tour and they'd feed you booze on the bus, you know, and everybody would go, all these older people would go and they'd be drinking and eating and laughing on the bus and singing songs. They were fun. I would go because I wanted the information and to see the community. And I loved watching the people. Well, I, I made friends with this couple. He was a physician. She'd been in business and she had retired first. He had waited just a little too long mm. to try to get his long-term care insurance. He came down with Parkinson's. Oh, wow. Yeah. And once he had that diagnosis, he wasn't insurable. He can't get it. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to be sure that you're you're definitely healthy. Uh-huh. Um, to be able to to get you know the insurance, they're a little bit better with their underwriting now, and they're allowing in more, you know, more pre-existing conditions, but dementia, you know, serious um, cancers, um, serious neurological deficits, those definitely are going to be very tricky and probably yeah. uninsurable. So, um, you know, do you want to wait till you're 65? That's kind of a crapshoot. Maybe 55 is the age. Yeah, you know. Be that's right. the magic age because you're paying every month your premiums. So maybe 45 is too early because mm-hmm. you don't want to be paying all of that. Right. You know, unless you know you have a family history of a certain disease and you think you might be predisposed, then maybe you do want to go a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Get it. Yeah, that's great. That's a great, uh, great thought. And sticking with this long-term <laughs> theme, we have uh, like long-term custodial care and daily living care. Okay, so your your custodial care is basically your activities of daily living, which are eating, bathing, grooming, getting in and out of bed, and toileting. So those are the activities of daily living. And those are the things that your non-medical home health care is going to be able to provide. Medicare won't cover those things. That's custodial care. Medicare doesn't pay for that, except on a short-term basis if you're discharged from the hospital or, you know, you've had uh, a number of falls and you need some physical therapy, it'll pay for for things like that. But right. um, normally that's stuff that you're private paying. Mm-hmm. The only time that you can get somebody to pay for that custodial care is say you're in assisted living or you're in a nursing home and assisted living has, they usually have a limited Medicaid benefit. So they may have two two rooms that they allocate to Medicaid in their facility. So two patients at a time, two residents at a time could get on Medicaid after they've been private pay for a certain number of years. You know, definitely in the nursing home, you're going to see a majority of the patients there oftentimes are on Medicaid because that's what they that's what they pay for. Medicare, think more of your hospital care, your your diagnostics, your physician care, your prescriptions, those are all under Medicare. Medicaid is more for the custodial type of care. And like I said, you can get that at home. You can Mm -hmm. get passport at home. 
it's more, it's difficult because like I said, the number of care providers are not always there and it takes a while to get it. So you may have to supplement privately if you don't have the money, you know, maybe it's some planning that you had done where maybe there was a transfer of money. Maybe there was a payment of caregiving to your child. And maybe there's a little bucket of money that's on the side that Medicaid, you know, wouldn't be adverse to letting you have because it followed the rules. Um, Because there is a five-year look back period. Anything that you transfer out of your name within five years prior to you going on Medicaid, prior to you applying for Medicaid, they do look at and see what was the nature of that transfer. Is it improper? And um, they can disqualify you. That's why, you know, the house, the house is usually people's biggest asset. Mm -hmm. So you could take a home equity line of credit on the house. That's okay. You could do a reverse mortgage on the house. It's costly, but in some instances it is okay. It's a good, it's a good planning tool. Mm-hmm. Not always. Um, yeah. That's, that's where your elder law attorney will come in. Right. Um, and then, you know, too, if your child is living in the home with you and you're her, her full-time care, I mean, you're her full-time job, then, you know, there is a caregiver child exception where the child can get that house should you go into a nursing home and you can transfer that house to the child. All kinds of paperwork your doctor has to fill out and the child has to fill out. And I would say, don't go down that road without a lawyer, but there is a way to preserve that house for your child who's, you know, basically given up her home and her livelihood to take care of you. So, you know, the key is you have to keep your parent, basically they say your care kept your parent out of the nursing home for two years. And so, you know, I, one case, it was just so sad. The The child had given care for more than two years, but mom would never go to the doctors. Mom had mental illness. Mom would never go to the doctors. So she sporadically had a doctor's visit here or there. And when we tried to go back the two years, the doctor was out of state. Well, I don't know. There must have been guardian angels everywhere because we happened to find that doctor. And he did agree because they they hate paperwork. He did agree because he remembered the patient. And he remembered the daughter. Yeah. And he did agree um, to fill out the paperwork to the best of his ability. Wow. And by some, some, you know, miracle, we we're able to get that child the house. But under normal circumstances, you know, these doctors move. Mm-hmm. The records may not, you know, be enough so that the, the new doctor can go back two years and, yeah. and split out. Um, so you want to be sure that you're keeping up with your parents' doctors. They're going regularly. You can bring a doctor into the home. Um, so they have the visiting physician type of agencies where they'll yeah. bring physicians into the home. And a lot of times with dementia, when the patient does, doesn't want to go out anymore, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. Even a podiatrist, they'll even bring a podiatrist into the house. So, um, you know, those sorts of agencies are pretty good to use. I mean, you're not, you're not looking for cutting edge research um, type of doctors at this point, you're looking at somebody to keep your parent comfortable and, you know, enjoying life. And if that means, you know, they're coming to the home to help them, then that's great. It just goes to show though, because there are so many nuances with, uh, with elder care when it comes to um, different laws and insurance, the importance of a care manager, because most of us are not versed in every single one of those things. No, and I'll throw out something else. So, for example, if your parent, and it's usually the, the father, although I've had women too, think, you know, women are amazing. If your father was a veteran 
and served at least 90 days during an active period of war. Doesn't have to be overseas, doesn't have to see any fighting, could be stateside doing a desk job, but it was during a period of war. He may be entitled to something called um, aid in attendance from the VA. And his, his spouse may also be entitled to aid in attendance should, your, should her husband die. So basically, if you are um, unable to handle your activities of daily living, usually two. Um, so say the person has COPD and CHF really bad and they mm-hmm. can't bathe and um, transfer themselves by, yeah. by themselves, you know, they could get this aid in attendance. And it's, you know, it can be up to a couple thousand dollars a month for the, the veteran and his spouse, once he dies, it could be $1,300 a month. And what do you use that for? You can use it for home care. Okay. You can use it to help with your home care costs, oh. or you can use it to help pay your assisted living, you know, that on top of your social security, and maybe there is a little bit of a pension. You may be sitting pretty with just that little bit of extra care. So how do you get that benefit? Your care manager will tell you that, you know, first of all, nobody should charge you to do an application for aid and attendance. It's illegal. You should not be charged. Mm-hmm. Somebody may charge you to do planning and the plan includes an application for that. As long as that you're not charging for the application, it's okay to pay for the planning. Mm-hmm. But your veteran service organizations in your counties are excellent and they can help you complete that application for aid and attendance. They can help you process it. They can answer questions yeah. and it's all free. The one here in Lake County, they're just nicest people. Yeah. And they, they work with people all the time. The one in Cuyahoga County isn't bad either. They're very nice. So you can, you know, go to the veteran service organization. You can check with the disabled American veterans. They can help you. You can okay. check, you can go down to the VA and actually do it there. They're a little harder to make a one-on-one connection with, you know, uh-huh. yeah. so that you're not maybe not getting the same person all of the time. Mm-hmm. Actually, and, and I've been down to the VA and I've been to the DAV and the veteran service organizations. And generally these individuals that work with the veterans, they're ju- they want to be helpful. They want right. their fellow colleagues too, because right. they are all veterans, you know, yeah. uh, you can even check with the veterans of foreign wars. They might be able to give you a good person there are some agencies out there that, you know, they want to, they give seminars all over and they want you to come in. Well, they just want to sell you like an annuity or something like that. Be careful yeah. of them. Yeah. You know, be careful of them. Yeah. Um, you want to go stick more with the elder law attorney, the mm-hmm. veterans organizations, because um, they really are um, up to date on things and right. aren't looking to make a buck off of you. So in, in terms of the aid and attendance, is that something that can be done ahead of time before it's needed, or is that something so, that we have to wait until we are in need of that? You have to wait. Um, okay. it, there's also financial requirements, so you okay. have to have oh. less than usually less than about one hundred thirty some thousand dollars, and and they don't count the house, they don't count the car. You know that's that's pretty. You know that's a lot of money that people yeah. can have, and and most people can basically qualify. You know, these benefit programs aren't for the rich. You know, they're not rich. Some people will try to transfer out all their money and, you know, impoverish themselves so they can qualify for the benefits. I mean, they they have a look back period too. now the veterans, they go back three years to see if you've made some transfers. But really, you have to be in the home getting the care Mm -hmm. and they have to see that you're paying for the care. And then once Mm -hmm. you're approved, they will actually start reimbursing you because you can apply 
as much as you want. You know, right. if your first application comes back and it's denied because you did something, you forgot something or didn't do something right, you can apply again. Yeah. Now it does take a period of time. It can take six to 12 months to get the benefit applied, mm-hmm. you know, but I've had it go quicker when somebody was older in their nineties. And so I've gotten it as quick as six weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the, the usual, yeah. um, but you know, it, it, a few months, right. Um, to 12 months. Um, yeah. It, 12 months is usually unusual, mm-hmm. you know, especially if you're going through the veteran service organization or one of the yeah. veterans. Terry, is there anything else you think we need to share that like most important tip? I just think, you know, if you're the caregiver, I really do think, you know, even though you're saying, oh God, she wants me to take time for me. How am I going to do this? How am I going to take time to exercise? How am I going to take time to move my body, do some things for me? I can't emphasize enough. It's really important to take care of you. It's mm-hmm. like that, you know, on the airplane, they say you put the mask on you before you put it on the child. Right. It's true. It's yeah. true. You you cannot, I mean, this is a long journey. You're, once you agree, it's a long journey. Right. You know, you're in it for the long haul and you want to be the best version of yourself when you show up to help your parent every day. Mm-hmm. And you can't do that unless you take care of you. So um, you know, do, do stick with your classes, your exercise classes, yeah. uh, your art classes, whatever, right. whatever jazzes you and, and, and fulfills you. So. Good. Well, thank you, Terry. You shared, um, so many things today and I hope it has given some, you know, shed some light on what we need to start thinking about sooner rather than later. Thanks, Jen. Yeah. I appreciate being able to share. Yeah. Yeah. Planning is key, right? As as yeah. it is in every aspect. And so, you know, sometimes we do have to have the hard conversations and the difficult conversations because, you know, that's the only way that we're going to um, help in the end. Plan to live, don't plan to die. <laughs> exactly. And on that, we will end it. Thank you so much for joining Thanks. us, Terry. All right. Thank, thank you. you for listening to the Fit News Podcast, and we will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fit News Podcast. I'm your host, Jen Shaver, and I'm on a continuing mission to help you stay strong, healthy, and happy. A special thank you to our producer, Noah Martin, and Retrospection Multimedia. Tune in to the Fit News Podcast every Monday to get your tips for living your best midlife. These episodes are live streamed weekly in our Facebook group. Be sure to comment, like, and subscribe to Fit News Podcast for your weekly health advice. To join the Facebook group, visit strongforlifefitness.com.